All right, let's just do it. I, I can't wait. Folks, this is the championship weekend of Take the Points College Football Podcast. My name's Tom. I'm here with my co-host, Ryan Spillett, via Zoom. I'm also here with my other co-host, Dan Partridge. Dan is like a pit bull on a chain, pulling, trying to get off, and the chain's about to snap. We have to start the show because he's about to break free. Dan, our two favorite things are talking about lines in great games and talking about bad coaching. And this might be the best show we've ever done. I don't even know where to start. I literally have no idea how to start this. It feels like we should start with Lincoln Riley or Brian Kelly, but I'm going to turn it over to you. It's just going to be a, a round robin of coach game, coach game, etc. So where do we begin? There's so much to talk about this week, Tom. This, this is one of the best weeks of college football ever. First of all, hats off to college football for last weekend. You had Ohio State, Michigan, Fantastic game, followed by Alabama-Auburn Iron Bowl and went to four overtimes, followed by Oklahoma-Oklahoma State, which was wild back-and-forth game. Ten hours straight, none of the games overlapped, perfectly timed. And then we were treated with five days of off-season amazingness that may be unprecedented. What we've seen over the past five days is incredible. We almost recorded this show on Tuesday. So glad we waited till today. It never stops. I yeah. Thank thank God for my you know parenting issue that prevented us from recording. But um, that's good, man. The can I just say before you continue, this would have been the best week of the college football season and one of the best weeks in recent memory before all the coaching stuff. And once you add in all the coaching stuff with the awesome games we saw last weekend. It's just incredible. My head is spinning. So go ahead, Dan. All right. So for this week, there's so much to talk about, but we don't want to just talk about all the nonsense for an hour straight and then do the lines as an afterthought. We're going to do one game and then talk about some off-the-field nonsense. So right off the bat, Western Kentucky at UTSA. Sorry, not at. Neutral site game at the Alamo Bowl. These teams played once earlier this year, Utah State, or what am I saying? God, I'm way off there. I'm so excited to talk about Steve Adazio. The we just want to talk UT, about Brian Kelly and Lincoln Riley, man. We UT San Antonio um, won earlier in the year. This game's in the Alamo Bowl. Western Kentucky's been playing great. Western Kentucky minus three and a half, total 72 and a half. Um, for the pick in this game, I like Western Kentucky. I've liked them all year. 72 and a half is not enough on turf for both of these teams. Total shootout. Our boy Zappy, the quarterback for Western Kentucky's number one in FBS and total yards passed. He has 52 passing touchdowns through 12 games, which is absolutely incredible. Over 72 and a half is the play in this game. Do you guys have anything else to add for this game? No, I love that over. That was that felt very easy to me. I thought it should have been more like 79 and a half, 78 and a half. Yes. Alamo Bowl, Friday, Friday night, first game of championship weekend. Really awesome to see. All right. First off-season news and notes. Because this is a smaller conference, Conference USA, we're going to talk about a small conference story. Clay Helton next year. 
We got Clay Helton is now taking over. Where's head coach? Where's he going? Where's he going? Are you genuinely Georgia asking or are you setting something up? It's Georgia, no, Georgia, Georgia State. Georgia okay, State. He's, going, he's going to Georgia State. We also got Rich Rod going to Jacksonville State. Which of those two coaches will be fired first? Clay or Rich Rod and why? Tom? What? No, this goes to Ryan. Ryan? Well, I'm, I'm glad you said the safe word. It's like Pee Wee's Playhouse. You said the, the the magic phrase, which is Clay Helton. Because we're going to get right into this. Tarmac time. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Great. Go right ahead. Tough to get the tarmac right these days. There's a lot of... Uh, a lot of firings, a lot of not a lot of options. But we're going to start at number five with Clay Helton. Oh, yeah, that's right. He's on the tarmac right now because <laughs> signing day is coming up in less than two weeks. It's going to be laughable. And he doesn't know what he's doing in the South. What is What, what does Clay Helton know about recruiting down there? This is going to be an utter disaster. And he's on warning already. Tarmac number five. Number four is an interesting one. He's back after some time away. But I think he's due. And that's Manny Diaz. You are back. Here's the thing. I sent you guys that that tweet. They have 68 people on the board of trustees at the University of Miami, plus donors and like other high profile alumni that are involved too. So now we're talking at like 80 plus people trying to make a decision on an athletic director. That's like ridiculous. It doesn't matter who they hire because whoever they hire is going to fire Manny Diaz as long as that hire is made within the next month and a half, let's say six weeks. If they find an AD in the next six weeks, I think Manny Diaz gets the ax. If it takes them longer, they might just keep him around. I think his signing day is huge. If he has a big signing day, he has a shot to keep his job. I still think he's number four on the tarmac. Number three, Old reliable Butch Jones closing out the season with another loss. I think that was like six in a row to end the year. Oh man, not good, Butch. I forgot he was still around. Yeah, I know. I'm it's great. That's why I said he's old reliable. He's just sneaking by down at Arkansas State. No one sneaks by the tarmac though. (laughs) <laughs> this is what I'm talking about, that the tarmac has, has had to do some heavy duty research and like you're going to small conferences, you're going to Arkansas state, you're finding old favorites of the tarmac guys who are in reruns on with new schools already. I mean, we've, we've been doing this segment for probably what, six years. So we've got guys who were on the tarmac, got fired, got a new job, came back on the tarmac, and now we're going to get fired again at a d- different school. Oh, yeah. Speaking of, we're going back to the Power Fives. Another old reliable. Dino, you're not safe. You're not safe, Dino. 
it's not looking good. I don't care what anyone says. You got more guys in the transfer portal. Right now, your recruiting class is like really bad. I think they're like <laughs> 78th or 79th right now in recruiting classes. That's really bad. They're like two spots below Central Michigan. Like, <laughs> not good. Can I, but, but, but one, wait, hang on. Before you move on, you know, it's not Dino's fault, as we saw by the people he let go. It's not his fault as the head coach. It was just the fault of the guys he let go. The offensive coordinator, the defensive coordinator, the special teams coach, the tight ends coach, the offensive line coach, the safeties coach. Unbelievable. Not his fault, though. It's just every single person he hired. Yeah, that he hired. Exactly. Exactly. Speaking of who are they going to hire and how it's going to impact their time in this job. Number one on the tarmac. That's right. That little leprechaun going down to the bayou. (laughs) Oh my God. This red faced asshole is going to get eaten alive. You see him sweating in Indiana. Get him some gumbo down in Louisiana. He's going to be sweating like Patrick Ewing. It's going to be awesome. I can't, I hate this for LSU fans because they're going to hit rock bottom and it's going to suck. But like for us, this is going to be endless comedy. Brian Kelly in the Bayou is just going to be an epic disaster. I, I cannot believe they're giving him a hundred million dollars. It's going to be bad. He's number one on the tarmac and he might stay there for a while. Gentlemen, what do you think? I real quick. Go ahead. Uh, there's some breaking news with Brian Kelly. He's at the LSU home basketball game tonight and he went out and he addressed the fans. It's not important what he said. It's how he said it. Wait till you see the video, gentlemen. He spoke with a Southern accent. Now. Oh, no. Oh, yeah. He did a Madonna. He now has a Southern draw. It has appeared now that he's in Louisiana. Wait till you see the footage after the podcast. This is the first sign of the fucking apocalypse for LSU. Tom, Tom's Te- already text this phone. to me right now, please. We, we can play this live. If I wasn't <laughs> recording on my phone, I would. It was. I literally saw it three minutes before we started where everyone's like, wait, Brian Kelly has an accent now? All right, we'll, so, we'll find this. This is a good segue though. I mean, we we're, we're the this is why we're the best and least popular college football program on the internet because we have Lincoln Riley and Brian Kelly to talk about and we lead off the show with 15 minutes about UTSA and uh coach yep. Jones. But I, I think we got to go to the heavy hitters now. Uh let's just talk about Lincoln and uh Brian Kelly together. What do you think? Dan, you start. Any thoughts that All have right. come to your mind over the last you know few days? Fine. Uh, Lincoln Riley, smart move. Uh, if, if you haven't won a national championship in Oklahoma already, you're not going to. Going to the SEC is not going to change that. Your schedule is going to get harder. It's going to be hard to go undefeated or only lose one game. The schedule is, is, is way tougher. You're going to recruit against harder schools. Um 
it's a no-brainer. You go to USC, you, you leave boring-ass Oklahoma, you get to live in Hollywood, it's beautiful and sunny every day. You go to a program that's been in total shambles but has a ton of talent all around you that's been leaving Southern California to go all over the country and play everywhere else but USC. You get to play against the awful Pac-12. I mean, the Pac-12 is just not great, as we've seen. Um, you know, it's been a long time since they've had a truly elite team, probably since, you know, the Oregon teams. You know, I know Washington made a playoff, but they weren't winning the national title. Everybody knew that. No-brainer for Lincoln Riley. Happy for him. Any Oklahoma fan who's upset can really go to hell. You just don't realize that you live in Oklahoma. Uh Easy choice. Happy for him. Um, it is just kind of funny how it all unfolded. He was like, oh, yeah, yeah I didn't talk to USC until uh, Sunday morning. It just, I don't know, it happened fast. Uh, that's a crock of shit. Uh, he may have not talked to USC himself since Sunday morning, but his agents have been talking to him for a couple months now. Um, and this was all in the works. So happy for him. Um, you know, I don't like Oklahoma and never do root for them. So I'm actually happy to see him go because he was a problem there. You know, even with Jalen hurts or whoever quarterback, they were always really good. And they, and they, you know, were the, the class of that conference for a long time. So good move by Lincoln Riley. And, uh, I think LSU obviously thought that they were getting Lincoln Riley. And when they didn't, they went in full panic mode and they called up Brian Kelly because they were probably drunk and they offered him a hundred million dollars and they have to pay every bit of it in three years when they have to pay his full fucking buyout. So, uh, LSU, I don't know what you're doing. This isn't going to work out. Um, at first I was, I was like, you know what? Well, you know, Brian Kelly's done a good job with Notre Dame, blah, blah. And I said, what am I thinking, Dan? No, 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 no. What does your gut say? The gut says it's going to be a total disaster and it's going to be a total disaster. End of story. LSU is a 500 team. Lincoln Riley is going to win Pac-12 championships uh, in, you know, with ease, I think, here in a couple of years. I really do. I don't think you're going to see Lincoln Riley coaching a 6-5 and five USC team. Um, he's already flipping Oklahoma recruits to USC. Give him a couple of years. Um, fantastic hire for USC. Awful hire for LSU. What do you think, Tom? I mean, I guess – it sounds like I'm the only one who thinks there might be slight potential with Brian Kelly. I mean, I'm not going to lie. I did text you guys with like seven exclamation points when he got hired. And then I would literally laughed when I heard, but here's the way I see it. Orgeron did an incredible job recruiting and they've got a lot of talent on that team, despite their bad record. What's lacking there as always is a quarterback. And that happens to be Brian Kelly's specialty. So I do feel like if he can flip or recruit a quarterback quickly and have some of those recruits, he could have success like in like two years from now. Um, I, I feel like their best chance is actually like the next two years, maybe three years. And then, you know, years four through seven or whatever, then that's where it's going to go downhill when Brian Kelly's uh, Southern recruiting in an area he's not really familiar with starts to kick in. Cause he did succeed yep. at Cincinnati. He did succeed at Notre Dame. I know we make fun of them, but he's done a pretty good job overall there. He is their winningest coach and therefore best coach of all time. But just like Ian, Buck, just like Ian book is the winningest and best, co best quarterback in Notre Dame history. But uh, I digress. 
Um, I I think there's a window for Brian Kelly to win at LSU immediately. And I think uh, his odds get worse the longer he's there. I'm with you on Lincoln Riley. I mean, I think that's an outstanding hire. He's an awesome recruiter. He's a young guy. He's, you know, good looking dude. He'll do well in Southern California, I think. And that team should be back to the, you know, prime it not, maybe not like 2005 liner Ellis, uh, USC, but I feel like they're, they're jumping to probably the top of the South division next year. Right. I mean, they've got to be the, the favorite they are every year, but this time I think we're serious about it. Of course. Like they would be the odds on favorite to get, get to the championship game next year. In my opinion. I don't know. Spencer Rattler to ASU rumors are heated <laughs> up down here in the Valley. Yeah, they are. By but the hot. way, by the way, uh, so, so Rattler, I thought we thought he was going to Arizona, right? Or Arizona state. And then, yeah. um, who's the QB at USC now? I forget his name. Um, uh, Keaton Slobus. Yeah. Is he going pro or I heard a rumor that he might hit the transfer portal and go to ASU or, uh, I think he's from Scottsdale, right? Yep. He's another uh, so Phoenix kid. Is it possible Poss- that Lincoln Riley might end up the best recruiter in all of Arizona football? Yes. It's very possible you see each of them. Very possible. It could just be it could be those two guys competing for a- Arizona and ASU the next couple of years. Yep. So we'll it, so that would make Lincoln Riley a better Arizona state of Arizona recruiter than Rich Rod, Sumlin, and Herm combined. That is correct. Herm, Herm uh, is just off the tarmac, I'm, I'm hoping. Uh, he is going to return, but I'm, I, I, I will wager that next year is his last year at Arizona State. But he will not get fired. He will retire in sight old age before he gets fired. All right, I have not listened to this, but here is Brian Kelly allegedly doing a Southern accent. I want to point out that Brian Kelly's daughter is named Grace Kelly. Interesting. Of course. Go ahead. All right, here we go. I have not listened to this. Thank you. Thank you. Well, this is a great way to get started. Can you guys hear it? No, that's okay. I've heard it before. It's a great night to be a tiger. I'm here with my family, oh and we my are God. so excited to be in <laughs> the great you. state of Louisiana, but more importantly, <laughs> to be with my family, great fans, I know. and to be part of what is going to be an incredible ride here at Louisiana State University. Wow. All right. I know you two couldn't hear that, but uh, the Take the Points listeners will be able to hear it when they listen to the podcast. And... Uh, it's not Madonna British level and it's not, um, what's her name? Alec Baldwin's wife doing her Spanish accent after doing a semester abroad, but it's definitely up there on, uh, adopting the language. Just what do you think we couldn't have a better college football week? We get Brian Kelly doing a Southern accent leading into the podcast. It just, it's college football really is the gift that keeps on giving every day. It's just, it's like, it's, it's like the 25 days of Christmas. They've started already. Somewhere there's an, a like advent calendar in one of the NCAA offices and they just hit a box every day. And they're like, Brian Kelly will have a Southern accent today. 
Rich Rod yeah. will start a feud with Deion Sanders. <laughs> I just can't get it's it's getting better and better. Unbelievable. Best sport in the world. All right, uh, let's do a game, Dan. What do you want to do? Great. Friday night, Oregon, Utah, Vegas, Pac-12 title game. Very excited to watch this tomorrow night, by the way, from the Raiders Stadium with fans in it. That'll be a lot of fun. Utah minus two and a half, total 58. Flashback about a month ago, uh, Oregon came in undefeated to Utah. We said it'd be a close. I said it'd be a close game. Tom said it'd be a close game. Ryan said Kyle Whittingham's going to put his boot up Cristobal's <laughs> ass. And one of us was correct. Yet again, UConn, or uh, UConn, oh no, the Utah under hook came in with ease. Therefore, Ryan, what is going to happen in this game? You get to call this because you called the last one so accurately. Um, I think Utah wins again. I don't think it's the thumping they put on them last time. Uh, but I do think that Utah is the better team. They're the more physical team. And... I know that the the Vegas weather and the you know dome or whatever is going to absolutely favor uh, Oregon here, but for that reason, I'm staying away from the over under, completely staying away from that. But I'm still going to take Utah. It's under three, so if it's under three, I'll take that. Z, what do you like before I give a little spiel here? Yeah, uh, I'm not. The expert in this field, you know, I defer to the two of you, but to me, just common sense says uh, Utah and the under again, but closer than the first one, just because of lack of home field and weather and all that stuff. I have a prediction for this game. My prediction is a rare West Coast Shang Tsung moment. Utah wins, Moorhead leaves, Cristobal throws in the fucking towel and says, I can't be Utah. And Lincoln Riley's here, and he takes the Miami job Sunday morning. That's my prediction. I'm going to stick with it. The Miami job is not technically open, so... It'll be open Saturday night, and it'll be filled Sunday morning. They're just waiting for him. He's the guy they want. I really, really believe that. And if he loses to Utah again, and they got Lincoln Riley sitting there, he'll say, you know what? I think it's time to move on, especially with Moorhead going to Akron, which we'll talk about now or later i don't know what that's all about but uh yeah who the Very fuck strange. who knows yeah i have no clue i mean it's closer yeah. to home i suppose um but i do feel like he could get a better job than that he's got a pretty yeah. good track record at two of the three places he's coached big power five schools right you got anything i was gonna say i also uh when you were talking about like lincoln riley coming in and all that i like washington's hire too as far as making it tougher for Oregon, love Washington's hire. So yeah. I know that's your boy, Dan. I was kind of let, waiting for you to, to take the, the reins on that because I yeah. know that's your guy. But uh, it's a good hire, and it's the Pac-12 is going to get tougher, man. It's going to get yep. better. We've liked him on Take the Points now for a couple of years. We liked him as Fresno's offensive coordinator, where Fresno went from a 1-10 team to winning the Mountain West. Then he went to Indiana for one year and turned things around with uh, Michael Penix. And then he came back to Fresno again, had a great year with Jake Hayner. Now he's taken Hayner with him to Washington. Washington's been unlikable for a couple of years. Obviously, with Jimmy Lake, they're unlikable. Even with Chris Peterson, they were unlikable. Um, we liked Peterson at Boise, so it should have been an easy transition, but it wasn't for some reason. Um, I think now I might actually like Washington. 
going forward, which is going to be kind of a fun switch. We used to always be the Washington State crowd, which they're still fine, don't get me wrong, but Washington, thumbs up on the hire. You did as well as you could have. You got a guy who's a smart, fun play caller. Washington's been so boring for the last five years. I mean, in the in, in like, you know, it's one thing to be boring. I mean, like, you know, I mean, all, all this like Utah, they're not the most flashy team in the world, but Washington was just another level of boring. And this year was just a total joke with Jimmy Lake and John Donovan. Um, so, yeah, really happy with what Washington did. Excited for uh, the new era to begin up there. I'm excited that their string of QBs named Jake will continue. Yeah, I know. It's unbelievable. It's real. It's truly remarkable. You have to be named Jake to play quarterback there. Um, all right, here we go. We're going on to Saturday. Big 12 championship game. God, it feels like 2011 all over again. we got the Baylor Bears facing off against Oklahoma State. The only problem is the total for this game is 46 and a half, not quite what it used to be with Brandon Whedon and RG3. Uh, Oklahoma State minus five and a half. Okay, uh, Oklahoma State, hats off to you for last week. I thought that once they were down 33-24 in the second half, they were going to crumble. Spencer Sanders is still – he makes me insane. He has a couple great plays that looks amazing. He scrambles, he runs, he, sometimes he throws a great ball. Then he'll turn the ball over twice a game, every game, whether it's a fumble or a couple picks. Um, Mike Gundy's one win away from making this playoff and jumping uh, to the four spot here if uh, if George beats Alabama. If not, it might get a little tricky for him. But um, I'm going to roll with Oklahoma State. The only reason behind that is Baylor's quarterback was out last week, Bohannon. They had a backup in. He played pretty well. But in this kind of big spot against Oklahoma State defense that usually has been really great this year, uh, I'll lay the five and a half. The total I'm not messing with. I mean, it seems too low to take an over, but all these Oklahoma State Baylor games are like 24-17 every week, and it's very Big Ten-esque. So hard game to cap. I'll take Oklahoma State minus the points, but I don't love it. Z, what you think? Yeah, I don't like this either. I mean, Oklahoma State impressed me. Their defense impressed me. I haven't seen an impressive defense like that in certainly at Oklahoma State, but really not in the whole Big 12 in a while. I think they're the best D that I've seen in the Big 12 in a decade, probably. Um, mm-hmm. So I've got to favor them, but I feel like it's too many points because I also like Baylor, assuming Dave Aranda is still employed there when this kickoff time comes. It seems like he will be since all the major jobs have sort of filled up. So I think it ends up being a close, low-scoring game, something like 24-21, to 21 which would be right on the over-under, so I'll avoid that. And then, I, I guess, gun to my head, I'll take the points with Baylor and hope for a close game. I do think Baylor has a slight chance to win this one outright, you know, 20, 20% chance. So, you know, stick with the motto of the show, I'll take the points. Right. Baylor Bears outright, and if they were minus five and a half, they would cover I think Ooh. Baylor wins this by Ooh. I think Baylor wins this by a touchdown. All right. So I think that's just way too many points to begin with, but I actually like Baylor better. Can we add this to the the reason eight billion why college football is better than the pros? We got three guys on here who've been watching college football for what do you want to say? Thirty five years, thirty years. Yeah. Um 
and we're all pretty expert and we know a fair amount about these teams. And we all just gave three completely different answers about this, yeah. about teams that have been playing for 12 weeks that we have plenty of visual evidence on. So would that ever happen in like a Cowboys giants game? No, never. NFL is horrible. It truly is. Anyway, <laughs> so bad. What do you want to talk about games- next? All the games that, that have been on primetime the past three weeks have been literally unwatchable. I mean, the NFL is on a streak. Like, well, we have Seahawks football team on Monday night. The Steelers were involved. Oh, my God. Mason Rudolph, so I think, was featured in one of those games. Oh, Andy Dalton was playing a little bit. We had Thanksgiving Day game. I mean, it's been it's been bad. We've had triple City running around. It's, it's been, it's been horrible. This might be the worst NFL season of all time. I'm you know what? Yeah. Up. You know, it's not good. Speaking of the saints, when a team is playing and one of the announcers suggests that his fellow announcer should suit up and go in at quarterback. And he's not joking. Like it's not a joke at all. Yeah. Like literally they'd be better with a guy in the booth who hasn't played all year. And so, they're on prime time again tonight, by the way, the saints with a different quarterback. So they get two consecutive national TV games with two different terrible quarterbacks. It's a joke. Very, very bad. Uh, all right. Just because we're covering all the championship games, we're going to the Mac next week. Sorry, on Saturday, Kent State, Northern Illinois, Kent State minus three and a half. Total 74 and a half. This game is played at Ford Field in Detroit, home of the Lions. Um, which I've heard for football games, they only turn the temperature up to like 55 degrees in the stadium, which that was a fun factoid I learned this week. They're like, oh no, it's not 70 in there. No, 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 no. It's just covered. It doesn't mean there's heat. It's just covered. So they, the dome was freezing. Yeah. I mean, that's similar. That's what the carrier dome was for a long time. So we can't really say much, but it is pretty awesome that they're like, I know we have a dome, but we still want you to feel like you're in Detroit in the middle of winter. Yeah, correct. Uh, Kent State minus three and a half, total 74 and a half. I know nothing about either team. Uh, I know they play midweek in the MAC. No clue. No one plays defense. I don't care if the total is 74 and a half. Just take the over and have some fun. If it goes under, so be it. Uh, that, that's all I got for this game. Do you guys have anything to add? It's the MAC. Ryan? Tom? I, I mean, I've got a pick. I think Kent State is the best team in the MAC. And I, I, you know, I hate three and a half lines. I think it's the worst line to pick. If it was three, I'd feel a lot better, but yeah, I'll take the team that I think is the best and I'll take an over in any Mac game ever. There you go. Ryan. These two teams played each other exactly one month ago and that was 52 47 (laughs) to Kent state. So Dan, I think your over feels slightly good on turf now indoor but by the way in the losing effort the northern illinois quarterback threw for 532 yards (laughs) in a losing effort and that was in ohio in november yeah the dome is going to be a little bit better let's go Mm -hmm. on the over don't really have a feel for the the who's going to win. I, I kind of was actually leaning Northern Illinois, but uh, I'm going to stay away from that and just go with the over and bet points. 
I think our boy Joe Moorhead's going to have plenty of uh, success calling plays in the MAC. There's no defense being played at all in the conference. So give him a couple of years with Akron, just some sort of semi-talent with quarterback and running back. He should be able to put up 50 a game with these with that terrible Akron squad. Yeah, I mean, the thing I'll say about Joe, Joe Moorhead, he's a culture fit in the MAC for sure, the way he plays. And there's nowhere to go but up with Akron. So, you know... I, I think he could do better, but I do think he is set up for success within the Mac. I got coaching conspiracy. Ryan just popped up. Is he taking the Akron job because he thinks that uh, Fickle's going to leave Cincinnati soon, and he's just going to make that in-state move over from Akron to Cincinnati and take that job? Because that is a step up, technically, kinda. I like that play. I do think that's a smart read. Yeah, I, I do think that's a good read. I do think Akron is probably a stepping stone for him. Um, the the thing for me is I feel like he could get a Cincinnati ask job now. You know, I, I mean, maybe not quite that good, but I feel like he could get um, a decent mid level Power Five team job right now. Nah, you're a homer. You've been eating too many member berries. I mean, wasn't he wasn't he in consideration for one of the Washington jobs? Allegedly. I mean, you don't think he'd be better than whatever guy Washington State pulled out of the crowd to hire? I don't know. I don't know if he's a head coach. I think he has to go to the MAC to prove that he actually is a head coach. I like. I think you're exactly right, Ryan. All right. Well, he failed pretty bad before one. So you got to start over in the Mac. If you do it, then you build yourself back up. He jumped right to the SEC. That was too much. That was a bad culture fit. This will be a good culture. Correct. Fit. Anyway, I think, he, I think he succeeds there. So that's good. You want to talk about your boy, Tom Herman. Everyone's trying to get him back into coaching in college. He says, no, he'd rather be a special coordinator for, you know, the bears or whatever, wherever he's at. He's part of the ex-coaches uh, who are in no man's land. It's like Kevin Sumlin. I, I follow him on Twitter looking for clues. Like, what what, what are you doing? And it's like, uh, he's like, I'm going out to eat with my family. I'm in Waco. You're like, what are you doing in Waco? He's like, I'm just, I'm just in Waco. Just I'm eating in Waco. It's nothing to do with football. And I'm like, all right. I see you trying to sniff around, trying to be wide receivers coach for Baylor. Dave Aranda's, Dave Aranda's looking around. That means Sumlin's looking around. I know it's ridiculous. Um, anyway, all and right. Speaking of eating and coaches, mm. it might be time for our famous segment coaches restaurant. Let's go. You ready? All right. Yep. So uh quick refresh. This is where we take uh, a coach. Usually it's a coach who's about to be out of a job, but not always. Um, sometimes it's someone who's in the midst of a transition and uh, we feel like we help them with their next step of their career or a future career opportunity in the restaurant industry. Dan's a restaurant industry expert. And so he tries to match up coaches with a restaurant that fits them best. So uh, what coach do we have on the docket this week, Dan? We have new LSU coach, Brian Kelly. <laughs> and what restaurant would new LSU coach and his Southern accent, Brian Kelly, be best suited to manage? <laughs> Southern accent. Uh, okay. So again, another tough decision every week. Very difficult. Um, so Brian Kelly's going to LSU, which has everything. And they have every tool they need to be the, be a total success. 
That's why he'd be great at McDonald's. McDonald's is the OG official. We have it all. We have the you know the Big Mac. We have the Egg McMuffin. We have the Quarter Pounder with cheese. We got the chicken nuggets. But for some reason, something always gets fucked up. Whether it's cold fries or or the milkshake machine not working or them being out of food and you can only order the filet of fish, it's messed up. And that's why he'll be fine at McDonald's. <laughs> McDonald's should be perfect. They're, they're known all over the world. They have great classic products. They were the first real fast food chain. But somehow, someway, it's just screwed up. That's why Brian Kelly will be fine. He'll get five-star talent. He'll have the greatest home field in college football. He'll have terrible weather late at night down there on the bayou, teams shaking in their boots, but he'll fuck it up just in the same way as if you go to McDonald's right now. You can order five things, and one of those five things, I guarantee, is not correct. You'll get a flat diet Coke or some cold fries or some other nonsense. So McDonald's, he'd fit in fine at McDonald's, and he might be there in 2024. So Dan, we know that LSU gets everything right, except they can almost never get right the quarterback position. So which McDonald's menu item is the LSU quarterback? Easy decision, Tom. McFlurry machine. Now the McFlurry machine never works. There's actually some like third party investigation going on right now into why the McFlurry machines are always down at every McDonald's you ever go to. They only work like 5% of the time. If you go to McDonald's a hundred times, only five of those times you'll be able to get a delicious McFlurry, which makes no sense. They they actually lure you in with the McFlurry only to let you down. Again, how Brian Kelly is going to lure in top ranked recruits only to say, we're going to lose to Alabama by 35 and you're going to like it. And I'm going to collect $100 million and you're never going to see me again. And I'm going to lose my fake Southern accent. And those are all things that are going to happen. God, that's so true. God, that's, that's really good. That's really good. You keep besting yourself every week with this. Uh, I have to consistently hit the mute button on our soundboard during this segment. this is like one of the only times this and uh, a lot during the tarmac. Those are the two times I always have to mute myself for uncontrollable laughter. I will note, Yeah. With the McFlurries, I feel like there's always two options on the menu. It's changed throughout the decades, which two things, but they never actually have both whichever one I order, it's like, yeah, we got a Max Johnson and a Joe Burrow. It's like, oh, I'll have a Joe Burrow. Uh, we're out of that today. You want a Max Johnson? <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> Fine. It's true. I'm not lying about that whole investigation thing. There really is a legit investigation going on into the McFlurry world. Dude, there's like 10 different subreddits about McFlurry machines, like literally like 10 different subreddits all about this stuff, like thousands of people. It's crazy. Give me, I mean, maybe you might have to pull it up, but I would like a, I would like a little sampler of the Reddit, the subreddit on flurries and what the hot buzz is. It's just, conspiracy. it's just all people who, who worked at McDonald's and they're like, we don't know why it's broken. We just come in and it doesn't work. We don't know. And they're like, no here's the thing though you don't want a McFlurry and we'll tell you why because all that shit runs through like tubes and pipes. You know, what never ever gets cleaned in that machine. Those tubes and pipes in the history of those machines, they've never once been cleaned. 
They're like, no one goes in there with like a uh, uh, sponge on a straw and like gets, you know, the tube cleaner. Like, no, they're like that never has been cleaned ever. They're like, but they are delicious. Yeah. Well, a little Just bit of the flavor of each one goes into the pipes, into the metal of the pipes and it enhances the next one. You know, like your uh, La Crusade pot of gumbo. Correct. But if you have the Reese's going through and then you get someone who has a nut allergy who ordered like the Oreo, then we have a potential concern. So (laughs) when, so this firm that's investigating, when they're done with this, can we get them on the LSU quarterback position and, and investigate (laughs) why a team that has the best recruits every single year can't find a decent quarterback except for one Ohio state transfer. Making a lot of sense, Tom. I like where your head's at. Ooh, this will transition into other nonsense. Picture this. Brian Kelly helms the 2022 LSU offense with transfer portal recipient, Adrian Martinez. (laughs) Oh, God. Oh, God. Hold your thought on him. We'll get to him later in the show. But first, we need to go to the Mountain West to clear up a couple things. Utah State takes on San Diego State. I don't care about this game. Let's talk about Steve Adazio. Okay, so. <laughs> good, <laughs> Steve good solid transition. Steve Adazio was fired today. Um, 16 games as head coach for Colorado State, 4-12. and 12, Absolute total disaster. And I will argue that no coach has went out in more of a total failure than Steve Adazio. Down 28 nothing. At home, senior night, last game of the year, gets ejected in the first half for two separate incidents arguing with the referees about God knows what. Then he's got the balls in the post-game press conference to say the following bullshit. He says, I've talked to other coaches in this league, and they all know that we're this close. Puts his fingers out, just puts them right next like this. We're, We're this close. Steve, they're lying to you. They want you around so that you lose more games. Then he goes, guys, I've only been here, what, 15, 16 games? I told you this is a total rebuild. But we're we're starting to make progress, and everyone knows how close we are. The worst post-conference you could have, press conference after, after that total disaster getting ejected, nice job at Colorado State firing him bad job hiring him all together and listening to urban Meyer. That was a terrible idea. Urban Meyer kind of guy. You don't want to take any sort of life advice from yet again, been confirmed coaching hire decisions from didn't that guy employ a freaking wife beater for like four years. Yeah. Covered it up more than that. I think. Yeah. (laughs) So just terrible. Anyway, I'm disappointed to see Steve Adazio go and the fact that he was the easiest guy to gamble against in college football. I think they may have covered two games out of his 16. I'm pretty sure you bet against him. You were like rich 14 and two or something like that. Um, Epic fail, hilarious guy, a lot of dudes Uh, looking forward to his next position as offensive line coach at some random college because you know that's coming. Tom? Oh, Oh, no, I got the job for him. It's not at a restaurant. Not yet. Uh, we joked that we needed UConn to hire a coach before Adazio was available or otherwise it was going to happen. And UConn yeah. smartly got Jim Mora jr. 
Jim Mora Jr. is now uh, working to bring over the coach of the main Black Bears as his offensive coordinator, meaning there was a head coaching opening at Maine. A lot of dudes up in Maine, Dan. Makes total sense. I don't think he's getting a head coaching job anywhere. I think he's going to be a line coach for some random college. I think the dude of life might be in Maine, Dan. <laughs> he's more qualified. Um, anyway, goodbye, Adazio. You had a long, long tenure on the tarmac of 16 games. You're on the tarmac week one, I believe, as head coach. It only lasted 16 games. Until um, Clay Helton today, no coach had gotten on the tarmac earlier in his tenure. Willie Taggart was on after his first game. Actually, we, we kind of unofficially put him on about a, a quarter into his first game. But Adazio was on before his first game. Yes, and was. now Clay Helton's on before his first season. <laughs> it's getting earlier. We're just we're oh, going to have God. to just guess soon. We're going to have to be like <laughs> Joe Moorhead in his 2025 campaign with Illinois is in deep trouble. Look, the heart wants what it wants, Tom. <laughs> By the way, Ryan, I know you're going to want to talk about the Beatles later, but uh, I've been watching that documentary. And when Dan, when you were talking about Adazio, I just kept hearing uh, the lyrics of a day in the life when you're like Adazio got fired yesterday he got ejected in the first half <laughs> he screamed in a press conference he didn't notice that it was the second quarter you, like, I the news I, today oh boy yeah see you at the Steve club Adazio has left the game <laughs> like dude i'm sitting around you know college football was exhausting on saturday a lot going on and i'm scrolling twitter and when i saw steve adazio ejected exclamation tweeted out by like one of the college football things that i follow like i just started laughing so hard my girlfriend's like what's so funny i'm like yeah i, I can't explain it to you you don't get it but the funniest thing of all time i'm sure just happened and i wish i was watching this game live this will take, it takes two years of explanation. Like you got to be in it for two years, <laughs> yeah, but once you're it. in it, this is the funniest thing ever. And I, I think I texted you guys right away. I was like, this is how it ends, right? Like this is the last thing of his career. And Probably. of course he got fired immediately. So and not that that was a bold prediction. Like that was easy to see coming, but it's just funny. Like that's how it ends. That's right. Okay, let's move on to some more lines. We may never finish this podcast, which is fine by me. Uh, <clears throat> Sunbelt Championship game. App State against Louisiana. App State minus three. These two teams played earlier in the year. Louisiana beat them by 30. Since then, these two teams went in totally op- opposite directions. Uh, App State, not opposite totally, but App State hasn't lost a game. They've been smashing people by 30 points a game. Louisiana with the dreaded late with the dreaded interim coach, uh, which is always troublesome. I'll take App State minus three. Don't really care about this. I don't know if you guys have any other other pick, but let's talk about Billy Napier here in Florida. Tom, you you're a big Florida guy. Thoughts on Billy Napier going to Florida? Uh, well. I don't really know much about him aside from the fact that he was a coveted candidate and he's done a good job at ULL. And I, I mean, I don't, I've never heard him talk. I don't think, I don't really know what his um, philosophy on coaching is or his um, 
recruiting ties or, or I feel like I'm at a loss here. It does feel as a gut instinct that Florida should have been able to get a bigger name. I mean, that, that was my initial reaction, but I don't know. I mean, could be okay. I would uh, defer to Ryan on this one, I guess. Yeah. As far as his coaching style, you know, he'll figure that out with his personnel. And that's the most important thing is he is a relentless recruiter. That's why he was the biggest name candidate because he recruited for Dabo and Nick Saban. If you worked for both of those guys and then you went and took your first job and you turned that program around and and made them whatever, 10 and two, like this was the best hire Florida could have made because he knows the South. He's recruited SEC players. Um, He has those connections with the high school coaches because when you're a low level assistant for those guys, like he wasn't like a, you know, coordinator. He was like a lower level assistant. Like those guys live on the road and what they're doing is just establishing relationships with high school coaches. And so now that he's the Florida guy, they're going to be like, Oh, I remember that guy. And he's going to kill. Like, I think he's going to get a lot of recruits and, I think the Florida Tennessee battles, I think Georgia is still a level above both of those schools in the East, but I think Tennessee and Florida absolutely made the right hires. And it's going to be really interesting to see those two teams in particular kind of go head to head over the next few years. I did see um, people taking shots at Mullen on the way out talking about uh, Napier and saying, Oh, he's a, he really is passionate about recruiting. Unlike the way things have been. Yeah. True. I love that. Uh, I, I really don't know about this hire. Um, I know he was the offensive coordinator at Arizona state under Todd Graham. So that gives me a little bit of trepidation. One season and they averaged like 41 a game. That was the okay. one good year they had. All right. That, that never mind. Well, Whatever, but that 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 does help knowing that fact. Anyway, when, I, I, when Herm I, got hired, when Herm got hired, he was like made a huge deal about he was going to keep that coordinator. He was like, I know everyone loves him, and we're going to keep him. Don't worry about it. And then the, the coordinator's like, No, I'm out of here. And he took. That's when Napier. That was Napier who left. He left hard. when Herm got hired because he was like, Okay, now I'm not working for him. I like this guy more. Plus his last name is okay. Napier, like Jack Napier, which is a great name. So Shabazz Napier. Yeah. Another great name. Naughty by Napier. I love it. All right. I'm on board now. You've sold me both of you. Yeah. I like all that. So, okay. Good stuff. All right. Big game. Yearly game. Atlanta, Georgia. SEC championship game, which we still need to go to and make a guy's trip, by the way. It has to happen. My yeah. sister has a house in Atlanta. Let's just just pick a year. The game's going to be good unless it's Missouri-Auburn from 10 years ago. But besides that, it'll be fine. Uh, Georgia, Alabama, Georgia minus six and a half, total 49 and a half. Georgia's given up like 83 points all year. 27 of them have been garbage time. Alabama coming off 
a sneaky, sneaky win against Auburn. Auburn gave them that game by uh, running out of bounds there towards the end of the game and not punting it with 50 seconds left instead of a minute 40. A nice job by Bryce Young leading every leading the team down the field. Brian Robinson is deemed to be, quote, day-to-day by Nick Saban, which is totally useless information. Thank you, Nick. This is the first time Alabama's been underdog, I believe, since 2015, if that's correct. I think if I read that right. Um, Nick Saban's only been an underdog like five times in however many games or whatever, and they've won them all except for the one time they played, I believe, Florida um, a little while ago. So anyway, uh, Tom, give me a pick. No more messing around. You know – I came prepared with um, some thoughts because I don't have a strong pick on this. Um, I feel like it can go uh, one of two ways. You know, my natural instinct is that Alabama will keep it close. This They'll feel disrespected. Again, first time as an underdog in six years, which is incredible. And I feel like they'll come to play. And they've got the uh, possible Heisman winner um, at quarterback. And they've, of course, got that great defense. Another part of me thinks that this is going to be just a complete shutdown by Georgia. Now, they're not going to beat them 50 to nothing, but part of me thinks that Georgia is just a vastly superior team. And the way that defense is played, they're they're not going to let Alabama score more than like 13 points. And they're going to win it, you know, 27 or 24, 13, something like that in a uh performance that's more dominating than the final score indicates. Um, it's really hard to do, but I think I'm going to go with Georgia. I think they're the best team in the country. It's their year. And uh, I wanted to just talk about their defense for a second, because I really do think we are witnessing history. I talked about this a lot when we talk about our Jordan Davis for Heisman campaign, which I'm still all about. But since then, so we haven't talked about it in a couple of weeks. They were competing um, for the best points against um, of all time. Basically they were up there with like 92 Alabama, I think Oh four or Oh five USC. And uh, of course, 2011 Alabama, the team that won the championship game against LSU was the best with like 8.2 or something like that points per game allowed, which is incredible in this era. But I did the math before and, you know, going into this game, they've already played 12 games. Do you guys know what Georgia is allowing? 6.9, a very nice 6.9 points per game against, which is just incredible. Like they, they almost will beat that 2011 record regardless of what happens in this game. So, and then, you know, I just, I read a million quotes um, like in the last couple of days from like Kendall Bryles was talking about how it's just impossible to prepare for them. Shane Beamer, of course, said the famous quote about like, they're all five stars, you know, you, what do you want me to do? Like they, they just, they <laughs> sub a guy in, they crush you. Um, but this is one that I pulled up today that really got to me. This is from Vince Dooley, uh, you know, Georgia's famous coach, 25 years he coached and uh, won the last title with them, and they had some amazing defenses. He says, we had some great defenses, but this defense is truly remarkable. You know how, by the way, you know how coaches always want to 
applaud their own team over anyone else or talk about how much tougher teams were back then. Um, so he, he said our best defenses back then would have four or five really outstanding players. This defense just brings in wave after wave of great players. There's no drop off when new guys get into the game. Kirby and his staff have done an outstanding job of recruiting and developing players. Um, the other thing I saw, I don't have the stat in front of me, but I believe something like uh, 18 Georgia players have a tackle for a loss. Um, they go nine or 10 deep with their line. I really think that we're witnessing the best defense of our lifetime, which is why I'm going to keep rolling with the Georgia Bulldogs. I, I think this is, um, it's not just like Georgia's the best team. I, I think this defense is transcendent. Now the offense I think is fine, you know, good enough to put up 24 ish points against Alabama. I don't think that Stetson Bennett is like Heisman level athleticism, but he's been good enough. He's been fine. The running game's good. They can shorten the game and they can stomp out pretty much every offense they've played. Tennessee scored 17 points against them and that's the best offensive performance against them. South Carolina is second, oddly, with 13, and they've shut out a bunch of teams. They've kept a bunch of teams to like six or seven points. So we're, we're really seeing something incredible. And so I'm not going against that. So anyone else have thoughts on this? Ryan, go ahead. Uh, a couple thoughts. Um, I don't think Stetson Bennett finishes this game. Um, wow. I think he's five foot 11 and 190 pounds. And this is the sec title game. And he likes to run a little bit too much for my liking. I don't think he finishes the game. The bad news for Alabama though, is JT Daniels is better. I've been saying it all year. He's, he's the better quarterback. Maybe he's not the better leader or whatever, tougher guy, whatever you want to say. He's the better quarterback. And that's how you win the SEC. So I think I want to pick Alabama so bad, but there's two words that scare the shit out of me. Bill O'Brien. I can't do it. I, I can't, I can't take Alabama with him calling plays, not against that defense. If it was Lane, I wouldn't hesitate. No way. I got to go with Georgia. I hate it. I hate laying the points. All right. Both valiant picks right there. Um, I'm simply going to say I'm going to take the under in this game. I don't see how you can bet an over. Georgia's defense is Maybe the best we've ever seen. Alabama's offense is not clicking. Last week, Alabama's offense looked absolutely terrible against Auburn. Um, Brian Robinson, if he plays, won't be 100%. Um, Bryce Young looked actually pretty good, but their offensive line looked terrible. And if you have offensive line issues against Georgia on turf, forget about it. They're going to be so fast in the backfield. Um, so first of all, I'm definitely going to take the under. Um, as for a game pick, same thing. I really want to take Alabama in the six and a half. I think it's just, it's just it's so hard not to, I, I don't know if I can lay six and a half with Georgia, especially if Georgia wins by three, I'll feel like such an idiot. Um, 
I'm going to stay away from uh, picking a side. I say Georgia is going to win this game 23-17 under. That's all I got in this game. However, if Alabama would win, does Alabama jump to like three in the rankings? So that's not a – does like Georgia fall back? Does Georgia stay at one? Does Michigan go to one? Ryan, what do you think? I think Georgia, if it's a close game, I think Georgia has to stay at one. They've clearly. Alabama go to one? I think Alabama goes to one and Georgia goes to two. I think you're right, Tom. They won't play each other again. They'll they'll make sure that they are at one, two, I think, in some order. Alabama one, Georgia two, Michigan three. Yeah. And then Cincinnati or Oklahoma State. Notre Dame. Notre Dame needs a couple of losses to sneak their way in there. They have no chance. The committee already came out basically and said they're like, look, their coach left. That matters. We take that. So like Kelly basically got them out of the playoff conversation. It's between Oklahoma state and Cincinnati. Most likely, you know, what scares me about, I think Baylor's going to win outright. So I don't think Oklahoma state has a chance. I think it's very likely, yeah, one of these teams might actually lose. I don't know who, but that's the way things have been going. If Georgia wins, Oklahoma State loses, and Cincinnati loses, what the hell are we looking at here? Well, Cincinnati's got a – even though a one-loss Cincinnati should be ahead of a one-loss Notre Dame since they won head-to-head, I feel like Cincinnati plays themselves out if they lose, guaranteed. Georgia – Michigan, Notre Dame, and who would be the fourth? I mean, in that case, I think you have to pick one of the conference winners with two losses. So, you know, a Baylor, an Oregon, if they can get it done. Ohio Ohio State, State, maybe. You can't take them over over uh, Alabama. Even if Alabama loses and they have two losses, they're still better than... Those You're teams. right. Alabama yeah. would go to four. I, th- I think You're Alabama right. gets Alabama in. Losses. Yeah. So, but, so I think, I think they be Alabama's four have a rematch. Would they be able to rematch against Georgia at number four under that scenario? Or if how about if, if Iowa somehow game. wins? God, there, there, there's a lot of, there, it's really, it's really interesting. It really is. There's a lot of different possibilities. I think, you know, it really could be chaotic if like a Michigan loses since he loses Oklahoma yeah. State loses, which is Those actually, I do think that's a possibility. I don't think that's like wild speculation. So I'm not, I wouldn't even try to predict it, but I mean that just, you know, to wrap this game up, that's what makes me the most nervous about picking Georgia is the fact that Georgia is pretty much in either way. And they're going to be the one or two seed either way, Alabama, if they lose, there's a good chance they get left out of the playoff. And so they're probably, you know, the motivation is so strong on their side. I suspect that Georgia will be motivated because they've, you know, it doesn't take much to motivate an SEC team to play in the SEC championship game against one of their rivals. But, you know, I do think there's a motivation edge for Nick Saban and Alabama. And uh, that worries me in laying six and a half points. Just, just out of curiosity, a Oklahoma State, Cincinnati, Michigan money line parlay pays plus one twenty. So odds are one of those three teams is losing, according to Vegas. 
Yeah, and we'll talk about the other two, but I, I don't think that Cincy or Michigan have automatic wins. No. All right, Tom, that's a good segue. Houston at Cincinnati. Cincinnati's taking care of business, looked very good the last two weeks. Cincy minus 10 and a half, total 53. Houston's 11 and one. They lost the first game of the year and have won 11 in a row. Uh, we kind of forgot about one of our old favorite coaches, Dana Holgerson, who somehow has revitalized the Houston defense. And their defense is one of the highest ranked defenses in the country, somehow, some way. Both undefeated in conference, 10 and a half points. Tom, can you lay 10 and a half with Cincinnati again in this spot? This is a tricky one because, you know, the initial, initial reaction is no, but then they have been playing really well the last couple of weeks. And um, if they play that well, there's a good chance they could cover. But I'm going to say no. Because of what you mentioned, Houston has a great defense and Cincinnati has a very highly ranked defense as well. So this is potentially actually a defensive struggle, even though we think of these teams as offense. So I think an under is probably my favorite bet. Um, And then, you know, given a defensive struggle with a 10 and a half point line, I'll take the points with Houston. Very good. Ryan. Yeah, I totally agree with Tom. It's, it's too many points for Houston's defense. Um, I don't know if I have the balls to take them outright, but I definitely would take the 10 and a half. I think there's going to be some shady officiating in this game to favor Cincinnati with the American refs. They want they want Cincinnati in the, in the playoff badly. I feel like Houston gets fucked over, but covers. That's my prediction in this game. Yeah. I think since he gets it done. I do think they there's, win. There's going to be a phantom pass interference call in the fourth quarter in a tie game or something like that. But give me the 10 and a half. Houston's a good team. And Holgerson's been flying under the radar here for a minute. And uh, maybe if he wins this game, would is this crazy? Would Oklahoma look at him? Is, is that too much of a job? Is that I don't know. I don't. I feel I, like just his personality will. Probably no him out of that, unfortunately, yeah. but that would be he's, fun. He's, I don't know. Just saying, you know, if you go 12 and one and beat Cincinnati, he could be in line for another job. Um, all right. He, he was Gundy's former assistant, wasn't he? Yeah. He that's, was in Oklahoma. that's how we got to start. I don't know if he would take the Oklahoma job. I don't know. That's a big job. Who knows? But he is Mr. You know, Midwest. Texas, Oklahoma. Oklahoma is just Texas North. It's the same thing. Um, Anyway, Tom, here you go. The real important game, Michigan, Iowa, the big game, Michigan minus 11 total. There it is. 43 and a half as expected. Iowa somehow makes the big 10 total game after falling asleep for about six weeks in the middle of the season as expected. Mm -hmm. Um, But here they are yet again. In a great spot. Tom, is the inevitable Michigan letdown too much to lay the 11 points this week? I'm, I'm confused on the wording of the question, but yes, I think you're getting a Michigan letdown. I yeah. think they will drop back to the norm and I will take the 11 with Iowa, but Iowa's been, you know, man, they're, they're not the Iowa team that was ranked like third in the country. I don't know what's going on there. The Big Ten West was just a disaster to see who could like back into this game. I mean, Minnesota had their chance and then they were losing. And then Wisconsin had it all lined up with their giant Derrick Henry esque 
freshman running back, and then they couldn't get the job done. And uh, Iowa, even though they basically like gave it away, it was given away back to them. So, man, I, I mean, I, I don't know. It doesn't look good for them either. But they have, um, I I would say they have a better matchup than Ohio State does against Michigan, because this Michigan team just loves to run the ball, and they've got some uh, great guys who could cover Ohio State's. Um, they have like great corners and safeties who could cover Ohio state. I mean, they do have a good run defense too. They got a great everything, but Iowa's pro style run the ball and, you know, stout defense, I think is actually a better matchup against Michigan. So I wouldn't bet on them to win outright. I think that's a little too much, but I wouldn't be shocked if they cover and I wouldn't be completely shocked if they did win, that would be the ultimate Harbaugh move would to be just to lose this game outright and then end up in the, the Citrus Bowl or some shit. Ryan? Uh, to me, this is just an, an under all the way, like complete total under. Uh, I don't really have a feel for the game. I'm not sure. It depends on which team shows up both sides. Um, doesn't really matter which team shows up for the over-under because I don't think these teams can score. Um against the other's defense. So for me, this is a under and root hard for Iowa. Let's go. That's correct. Yeah. Um, Iowa money line. That's my pick. Uh, this feels like a massive letdown. It feels like somehow Michigan's going to have some key fumbles. Feels like Iowa's going to control the ball for 41 minutes somehow and have some 16 play drive. I could be totally wrong and Michigan might blow them out of the water. They might be really, really great. I know they looked incredible against Ohio State. So did Oregon. And Oregon lost to Stanford, who finished with three wins on the year. So stranger things have happened. I don't like Michigan. I don't like Harbaugh. I don't like Iowa. But just in case they pull the upset off, slight taste on the Iowa money line going down for my account this weekend. Just in case, because that'll be a sweet, sweet payoff. But we'll see. Um, all right, now we're going to the the main event of real main events. Now, no, no more messing around. Pitt Panthers, TCZ's team, finally is this close to winning the conference. We knew it. Taking on Wake Forest, Wake Forest with no sort of defense whatsoever. Kenny Pickett getting a lot of Heisman love this week on social media more than he's ever gotten. If Bryce Young struggles big time. And, I mean, Ohio State's not playing this week. Kenny Pickett throws seven touchdown passes. Can he win the Heisman Trophy in this game? Because against Wake Forest, it can happen. Yes. Yes, he can. I mean, the Heisman is wide open. Bryce Young is the favorite only by default because he's the quarterback of Alabama. He is not – I mean, we've talked about this the last, like, six weeks, so I don't want to, you know, uh, beat a dead horse, but, like – I talk about the value over replacement player like they use in baseball, but you know, I look at it as value over replacement player at your program. Bryce Young's not better than any other Alabama quarterback. In fact, you know, I, I would suggest he's not as good as Mac Jones. Um, pretty much anyone you stick in there would be doing the same thing. In my opinion, it's not to say he's bad, but, um, you know, I, I thought Stroud, 
was going to win it all year long. I would be okay with Stroud winning it. You know, he had a bad game at the end and that always matters to voters, but his body of work, it's still good. Um, yep. Of course, I think it's the year to give it to defense. Jordan Davis would be my one pick. Even Hutchinson from Michigan, if he got it, I, I would be totally fine with that. I wouldn't give it to Will Anderson of Alabama for the same reason. I wouldn't give it to Bryce Young because they just have a guy like that every single year. And I, I don't feel like he's exceptional in terms of the Alabama. Um, the guy I think who's uh, snuck his way back in it, you guys, is uh, Matt Corral who I think is, is if nobody impresses this weekend and you give it to Corral, I think that's um, as good an option on offense as has been presented this year. But if Bryce Young does struggle a little bit, if they lose that game and if Pickett throws like, you know, five or six TDs as he's been doing, especially against a Wake Forest team that like, you know, the over under 71 and a half, this, there's going to be 11 touchdowns thrown by these two quarterbacks. I think he's getting an invite for sure. And I don't think it'd be crazy for him to win it. And the bonus of that is we all think he's going to be a pretty good starting NFL QB. So even if technically you don't think he's the best one, I don't think it would be one of those embarrassing ones like a Ty Detmer where people see them go on to a lackluster pro career and look back and like, how'd that guy win, you know, or how did Peyton Manning not win? Um, it's one of those that I think would hold up over time if he were to win. So yeah, Jordan Davis is my pick. Hutchinson is fine. Corral and Pickett. Give it to one of those guys. Brian. Uh, I love the over so much in this game. Yes. Like this is like the, the best bet of the weekend for me of all the championship games and all the bet options like this, this over is such a lock to me. So I love this. This is the spot. And uh, yeah, let's do this. I cannot agree more. This is finally our first real shootout of like the power five teams all year. The big 12 is not the same. The sec is not really doing the crazy shootouts. This is the first time we've had it, and it's all set up for this. Uh, it's in Carolina. The weather is supposed to be good. Um, Pickett, Addison, Wake Forest, over. This I mean, this game could be like 38-28 at half. It could be like old-school Baylor-Oklahoma State type stuff. So um, I'm betting the over and hoping for touchdowns in the red zone instead of field goals. But, yeah, like I said, biggest bet of the week over in this game. And – Kenny Pickett, 475 yards passing, six touchdowns, Heisman Trophy winner, and we just dropped the mic. And that and that's it. I think that's very realistic. I would like to brag for one moment myself. I, I don't like to pat myself on the back too much, but I think it was like week five or six of the season. I said that the ACC championship game was going to be Wake Forest versus Pittsburgh. And it sounded Correct. like a joke at that time, but I was completely serious. Here we are. This game's going over. I like Pitt. I think Pitt, I think Wake Forest is a fun team, but I think Pitt's the better team. So I'm going to take Pitt and the over. Yeah, I agree. Pitt's legitimately good. Like when's the last time we had a Pitt team this good? Is it, is it all the way back to Dorset or was there another team in like the two thousands? I'm not, I guess, I don't know. I mean, that team that Even beat West Virginia like in 2007, right? I mean, that team wasn't that good overall. 
they haven't been a, they haven't had a team that's good in a long time. So uh, I think Pitt scores in the forties or fifties, and they get this job done. And that concludes all the lines. What a week! What a fucking week! It's something. I still feel like we're leaving something on the table in terms of coaching moves and all the crazy stuff, but I, I don't know what else there could be. I feel tapped well, out. The good news is next week's Army Navy, so we get our finally we get a week off. So we'll do a bye week followed by the first half of the College Bowl spectacular. Great bowl season this year with a fantastic schedule. They really did a good job scheduling the games outside of the semifinal. But besides that, there's like five games, four games, five games. Um, a lot of good stuff with that. Can't wait to watch these games this weekend. Uh, a lot of stuff's up in the air. You know, um, I, I don't know who's going to be ranked in the top four. And usually we have this pretty much ironed out by now. So anything can happen. The only thing we know for certain is that Georgia will play in the final four. That's it. It's the only thing we know. Absolutely. All right. We'll do two minutes on pop culture as we do to end the show. And I'm going to turn it over to you, Ryan, the Beatles. Many people are talking about this band, this fresh new band, the Beatles. Uh, they have a, you know, 47 hour documentary on Disney plus. What have you learned? What are your takeaways? You're a Beatles mega fan. All right. Well, we pause, take the points recording and then restart a new podcast. And I'm going to go for about four hours. I'm going to hit the, <laughs> I'm going to hit the flag button on the soundboard, which makes a little marker. And then this could just be its um, own episode. So no, I'll, 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 I'll keep I'll, it running. Keep it. Like I'll go to bed. I'll just keep the soundboard running and then, you know, <laughs> no, no, I'll run keep, out of battery I'll, around 4am. I'll keep it short. Um, it's, it's amazing. Uh, absolutely amazing. I loved every second of it. Uh, to me, it felt like it could have been longer. <laughs> like, I know that's insane to say, but like, I think they could have done like 10 one hour episodes and done it that way. Like it's, it's so good. There's so much content. Um, it's got a little bit of kind of everything for kind of anyone really, as far as like what you want to get out of what you're watching. You see, you know, if you're a creative type of songwriter, to watch these guys, you know, come up with songs on the fly, you know, get back and then let it be and stuff. And it's like, it's pretty amazing. That's that side of it. But like, you know, all the little things like the crazy fans kind of dig into, like it's a, uh, like it's a Marvel trailer, you know, like that's the kind of stuff I love, you know, watching all that stuff. So I thought it was really interesting. I thought it was really cool. Um, I think the thing that was probably the the like most I guess disappointing to me was like a top 10 Beatles song across the universe. Like they show John like playing it like once in the first episode and that's it. That song isn't even mentioned again until they go through like the track list in the last like hour of the, the doc. Like they never show that song again. And when you listen to the album version, you're like, oh, that's clearly just John doing this by himself as a demo. Like they clearly never played that song as a band, which is kind of, you know, for me, that was, you know, interesting, but disappointing. Like 
I love that song so much. I was really looking forward to watching, seeing how that was crafted and, and stuff. So, uh, you know, of all the things you can be disappointed about, I guess that's pretty, pretty low on the list of things. Um, but no, it was, it was awesome. It was funny. Um, you know, George quitting the band and John just being like, well, if he's not back by Tuesday, we'll just get clapped. And, and we're like, great. Um, my favorite part, probably the whole thing is just, is everything they play when Billy Preston's there. Like he comes in and it's just instant magic. Like he's just incredibly talented. They were all like in awe of him because, you know, he played with little Richard in like the late fifties, early sixties. Like he was in little Richard's band and he played with Ray Charles. Like, so they all loved him because those are the bands that they were, you know, copying in their early days. So the stuff with Billy Preston's amazing. It's really, really good. Um, he's crazy talented and they were clearly loving playing with him and, and what he brought to the band. So to me, that was, you know, my favorite thing. The thing I, I smiled the most was watching them play with, with Preston. It was pretty awesome. Yeah. That, so I haven't watched the whole thing. I am on the second episode and I just got to the part where Preston comes in and plays a couple songs. And that part really is very noteworthy. Like he's got this huge smile on his face and it kind of, uh, radiates to you the viewer you just you just can't help but feel happy and then he's just so nonchalant playing these amazing songs i mean i have a bunch of takeaways but the first thing i took away you know 30 minutes into the first episode was how many times somebody sat down and said like oh here's a new bit of a song or here's a new song and they played something which we now know is one of the greatest songs of all time or an absolute piece of genius and everybody was just pretty much indifferent or not impressed at all. It must've happened like 10 different times. You know, you could talk about across the universe, John played that and everyone's like, Oh, that's nice. Um, McCartney <coughs> played, let it be one of the first times I think they saw him play, let it be, which I consider one of the greatest songs ever. And they're just like, cool, cool. And then, uh, you know, George Harrison, of course, comes in and plays, I forget what song, but he's talking about something that eventually was on his solo album. And I, well, I mean, mine is the, he did that. And then he had another one too, that he played a piece of, right. I think he played like, he played like 10, but the the yeah. coolest was seeing the whole band going through all things must pass because that's, yeah, that, I think that's, the that's one. probably his biggest. I mean, that's the name of his triple album, his debut triple, by the way, who comes out with a debut triple album? Like that's, yeah. well, a guy who, a guy who's ideas all got shot down in the Beatles. That's who they'll get to that in, in the third episode, by the way, they, they actually, George actually like talks about, he's like, I think I should just make my own album. Like I got so many songs. I just need to get them out. And John and Yoko are like, yeah, great idea. Do it. Yeah. And so that was my other takeaway is that, uh, Yoko's totally vindicated. I mean, I, I don't think any real fan ever believed that she was really the cause of the breakup, but you see that Paul and those other guys seem pretty nonchalant. Again, I'm not all the way through it, but there were many other reasons that were evident for why they eventually broke up. Oh, and you'll see it because it's clear as day in the, uh, in the final episode. And it's Alan Klein. Like it's so clear when, when John 
you know, comes in and he's all excited. I mean, this guy's the best. He's the greatest. And, you know, blah, 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 blah. And then he's in the sound booth and he's talking to, you know, the engineers and Glenn Johns is in there and he's raving about Alan Klein and Glenn Johns like, yeah, but he's, he's kind of a weird guy. Right. And John's like, well, you know, I, I love him. And he's like, but, but he's really like rude. Like he's like, if he asks you a question and doesn't like your answer, he will just cut you off in the middle of your response and move on to the next topic. And, and John's like, yeah, well, you know, and he's like, look, you're you. He acts a certain way around you because you're John Lennon. I'm telling you how he treats everyone else who's not John Lennon. And it's not good. And like, it was just kind of really clear as day. Like, you know, that was going to end poorly because literally everyone else was like, yeah, this guy is not great. And Lennon was just like, I love him. And everyone else is going to love him too. Let's go. Tom, real quick. Forgot to mention this. I don't want it to go much longer. I might have to get you a, 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 a brand new team to root for t-shirt. It's a team that you've already, already rooted for in the past. That'd be the Duke Blue Devils. Have you heard who's rumored new head coach at Duke? Uh, no, this is breaking news. Steve Spurrier Jr. <laughs> what? I didn't know there was a Steve Spurrier Jr. Let's fucking go. Danny. If we get another Spurrier, it's good for college football and good for take the points. This is the hire we need to see this week. Danny, get good your news. ready. I'm taking over Duke. I just, I, all right. I just went into order on there. All right. It's over. I'm not doing the Steve Spurrier impression, but I'll, I'll, uh, I'll work on it for future weeks. All right, everyone. Thanks for listening. A, a long show today, but that's because we're not doing one next week. So we'll be back in two weeks with a bowl game spectacular part one until then. Uh, thank you for listening. Enjoy the Beatles documentary and take care. Bye.